do what feels right. <laughs> I mean, like, does it feel right to go get a corporate logo tattooed onto your body? No, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know, this it also doesn't feel right to cut it off clothing you already own. So whatever. <laughs> exactly. Does it feel right to go and buy more shoes that you don't need because a corporation, you know, hired a spokesperson that you get behind on their message? Not necessarily either. They're, 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 they're ways, they're ways you can support a good message wisely. Do that. Welcome to episode 101 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. And yes, you can once again catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and Brian Burkoff address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. You can join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag PTLive. Again, you can call and leave us a voicemail, um, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. Send us an email at info at pubtheology.com. Send us questions, send us comments, uh, send us interesting thoughts from previous discussions. Reach out to us, whatever, whatever you feel like we need to know. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. And today we'll be talking about the latest Nike ad featuring, featuring Colin Kaepernick. And we'll talk about what we think about that and this uh, fusion of sorts of a uh, political movement, social justice effort, uh, along with a major corporation and athletic brand. We'll talk about some of the fallout from that, people who loved it, people who hated it, people who lit themselves on fire, and we'll also discuss whether social justice is heretical and a distraction from the gospel or essential to it. So all that to come. And before we get to that, uh, what are we drinking, friends? Uh, let's hear from Ogan. Welcome, Ogan. What are you drinking? And how was your summer, man? Um. What summer? We're ministers. We don't get summer. We just, <laughs> just work as we all as we always do. Um, it was, but other than that, it was it was actually good. Um, did a little bit of more road road tripping after left you guys in Hot Springs from uh, recording episode one hundred, um, and did a did a wedding or so, and uh, also sold my house today. So there's, wow. there's that. Lots of, finally Today. sold my house back in uh, Kansas City that I haven't lived in since 2008. Ten years oh ago. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> house is finally being sold. Um, yeah, I had to sign a bunch of papers today. That was crazy. I don't wow. even know what I signed. And you know what the crazy part was? <laughs> so here's the crazy part. Just I got to say this briefly. And this is a, just a testament to how easily our identities can be stolen. I'm at the gym this morning and I get a call from the guy at the like the title agency 
Now, he just simply says his first name and says, I'm from the I'm from the agency, the title agency about your house. And I'm trying to get a closing thing. I need your social security number. And I don't think twice. I just give it to him. And then I hang up the phone. Then cursed me. Like, <laughs> I just Probably gave wasn't the smartest. A <laughs> perfect stranger who I'd never spoken to before. Name not in any of the correspondences I've been having with this company. My social security number. You, you want to turn it around and say, can I have your social can security I, number to just, verify who you are? Right, right. Just to keep myself safe. <laughs> Let me hang up and call you back. See if, like, you know, right? I, something. Yeah. I just rattle it off. I I don't think straight when I'm when I'm exercising. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm drinking. I'm still working through my summer stash. Uh, the Jack's Abbey Blood Orange Wheat. Mm. That's, that's my brew for today. Nice. Yeah. Well, I um, have a meeting later today, and as we previously discussed, if you watch the live recording, um, had a little little too much on Sunday because football is back. So um, I am drinking a delicious Starbucks Brewing Company pumpkin spice latte with 1% milk and no whipped cream and no foam. Wait, it's- but you're two days removed from that. I literally, my team played last night and I'm still, I thought about not having a beer today, but I'm like, it's 101, we got to bring it. Listen, if I, if I didn't have a, I mean, I have my big like leadership meeting tonight. If I didn't have that tonight, that would be a different story. Cause then I could like go take a nap after. <laughs> well, I have a meeting after tonight too. It's actually our local pub theology. So that'll just further well, troubles. I mean, if, you know, whatever. Might as well start now. I, I got a meeting after this too. I'm not sure what, I'm not Listen, sure the two are related. <laughs> this is not so much about the meeting. This is about my current condition and Listen, the fact that I am not 22 anymore. It's not <laughs> totally teasing. And if only we were all as wise oh, God. and self-controlled. As we were when we were 22? No. I'm no, good. as you. <laughs> as, as, as you are, as you are. I thought you were going to say I have a meeting, so I'm drinking a quad. Mm. <laughs> no, no. I mean, friends, like, listen, I drank a gallon of beer on Sunday. Like, yeah. I, no joke. It was. Wow. Oh. Yeah, I didn't quite have that experience. So uh, you, you what, what, uh, what, are, what are you and Bibin, Brian? Well, uh, so uh, we did a little um, travel. still got more of that stash from the wedding. That, remember that wedding that you went to a while back? We still got more of those. What? No, I don't have any. Oh, the Hopple ever. <laughs> no, I don't have that anymore. Oh, yeah. cute. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see. So we did a little bit of traveling. We went up to uh, the Northeast uh, in Canada, went to uh, Quebec and Prince Edward Island and Nova Scotia. And that was a wonderful vacation. It started out as a vacation to Maine, but it turns out we only hit Maine mostly at night on the way home. So, <laughs> But I did pick up a, a brew along the way. I have a Greenhead IPA from Newburyport Brewing Company. Hey, <laughs> I know that place. There we go. Very good. So I got a, a local brew for Ogan. Yeah, really. I saw that y'all like did so much traveling. You like broke your you broke your van. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the van is another. The van story. was broken. <laughs> the van was broken before we did anything to it. <laughs> we'll save yeah. that for another time. That's another. We'll talk about scams and whatnot later. There you go. <laughs> so um, let me try this. Nice and hoppy, Ogan. I, I I can see I didn't 
uh, hurt you any by taking this off the local shelves. No, no, no. That's 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 not one of my Uraport Brewing Company favorites. All right. So, do you uh, do you guys have a preferred brand of running shoes, sports shoes, tennis shoes that you like to wear? If they're comfortable and on sale, I'm buying them. <laughs> yeah. That's, right. That's okay. My criteria. Yeah, so we live, you know, in Baltimore where Under Armour employs, you know, a whole lot of people. So um, we wear a lot of Under Armour shoes in our house. Um, Under Armour actually has a program with the kids in the schools where they they try out their shoes with them. So our kids only own Under Armour shoes because, and by own, I mean got them for free through the school program. So... Whoa, um, nice. so I also support them in buying my shoes. I love that. If I could find a way to get free shoes for my four kids, I would right sign up for that right now. Exactly. So then you end up buying them. I mean, I, so, you know, I stopped buying Nike, um, 20 years ago when the kind of the sweatshop laws or, you know, was being exposed. Um, yep. and Nike wasn't nearly the only one the the Vietnam sweatshops. Um, there were so many, Old Navy was part of that. Um, that whole Kathy Lee Gifford scandal, you know, all her stuff was being, like it was, it, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've, they've changed their business practices there. And again, no, none of these companies are perfect. Like none of them, yeah. but um, yeah, I do own some Nike clothing, you know, some sport, but again, it was on sale. I'm not brand loyal that way. So, <laughs> I'm sale loyal. <laughs> yeah, we're wallet wallet loyal is what we are. Budget loyal. Right, budget loyal. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I am wearing some Under Armour shoes right now, and I've had this pair of sneakers for a couple of years, and, I, and they're getting worn out. And I liked them so much that I actually did go out of my way to get another pair of Under Armour shoes just like them because I knew I liked them, like how they looked, and they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I went with it, uh, but usually it's more about as Ogan said, is this on sale? Is it what I'm looking for? Sold. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of shopping at like Marshall's and TJ Maxx and Kohl's. So it, you know, it just depends on what ends up in their pile. Exactly. Uh, my, my, my current two pairs of sneakers are, are Nikes. Um, but again, they were on sale at the time, but I've been through every brand, Adidas, New Balance. I mean, yeah. Puma, you, you name it. I've probably worn it all the, all the way Vans? back to, you know. You ever wear Vans, Ogan? Oh, yeah. I got, oh, yeah. I got like four pairs of Vans right now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, all the way back to LA Fitness. Remember, no, me, LA Gear. Sorry, LA Fitness. Yes. LA Gear, remember that? <laughs> LA Fitness is a different thing. <laughs> that's, a different, that's a different thing. Uh, that's a different thing. But, um, but yeah. yeah Derek, so, Derek's uh, New Balance, he, like, like, he buys New Balance over and over again. He likes them. Nice. So do you um, but like his running you, shoes are Nike? Do you, do you now, now this is aside from just, you know, what you're wearing. Do you like Nike as a brand more or less than you did two weeks ago? Or neither. I'm more conflicted than I was two weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, in the, like, I'm really not brand loyal. I, I mean, I have written extensively about these ads. Actually, I am, hugely supportive of inspiring ads really genuinely um 
In fact, we went on, we're, we're training for a 5k right now. Um, and both Derek and I went on to buy some Nike stuff and it was just too expensive for us right now. <laughs> but yeah, we went on to support them because of it. Absolutely. We did. So yes, yeah. I'm more, I like them more now, I guess. You like them more now. You don't like them less at least. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I, for me, it's not about lift. I, ugh, like this is okay. So this is part of the woke Olympics, right? Like why are we competing in the woke Olympics? Woke you know, Olympics. all of this, like I'm so, problematic. So title. <laughs> the oh, woke boy. Olympics. Why are we competing in the woke Olympics? Olympics like you know I mean all of just because I say yeah I like them more because I like I like the fact that they hired not just Colin Kaepernick but Serena Williams and LeBron James like I like but but Colin is the new addition to that right like they released these new ads all these new ads last week but he's the addition right. um, like LeBron already had a contract with them and Serena Williams already had a contract with them right uh, and I'm 100% for that like, absolutely. I really am. But I, that doesn't mean Nike doesn't have problems. Right. Not only do they not have problems, but also let's not kid ourselves that this was in a very, I'm sure, researched and calculated move to make millions, if not billions, you know, absolutely. down the road. So so for me, that's, that's where my uh, being more conflicted comes in. Um, sure, they could have gone the easier route and have some massive campaign connected to the more connected to the NFL or, you know, established people. Um, but they, they chose to make a stand or take an E with Colin and, and um, no, knowing I'm sure after their research that the blowback that they get would not nearly uh, cancel out the, the new fan base or the new purchases. Um, I don't, I don't believe or was so moved that I had, I wanted to run out and go buy a pair of shoes as I rarely ever am when an ad campaign (laughs) rolls out, Uh, you know? So, um, so yeah, so it didn't, it didn't move me personally, but, but I think they chose to intentionally take a risk, but also cleverly they chose to harness that campaign and get, a crap ton of free advertising is all of us. Exactly. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Yes. For them. But at the same time, it's a message I'll happily spread because right. a core of it is something that needs to be paid more attention to. And again, for the, the pundits on the other side and <laughs> Fox news who continue to say, you know, protesting the flag, this is against the country and there's no clear message. You know, I'm like, you haven't been listening, so I will gladly add my voice to this campaign to say this. This is a we're we're highlighting the inequalities here. So, you know, good for Nike for the most part. Yeah, I hear you too. I mean, I, I was excited to see that they were featuring him and it was meaningful that it was like 30th anniversary of the just do it sort of mm-hmm. slogan. Um, and, and it just felt like it just felt affirming that this guy's gotten so much crap. He's not on a team, even though he's clearly capable and better than the backups on 
so many teams and better than some of the starters on teams. And yet he remains without a contract as, you know, by and large, rich white team owners are like, we want to keep this message at arm's length. Right. And so for Nike to say, we're not only going to not pretend we don't know this guy, we're going to feature him. Right. Like they could have just had him in like a small, like mention him. And then he's there, he's visible for a second. But no, he was the voice and the face. Like to me, that was just really cool. Um, but then, of course, the as you guys have said, the flip side is obviously they figured out this is going to make them money. Uh, you know, a, a black UCC pastor in Chicago said, "I'll buy Nike shoes when they set up a fund for Black Lives Matter to bail out all Black Lives Matters activists, and when they donate a hundred million dollars to historically black colleges and universities." this ad doesn't mean they're now going to divest from private prisons and and so on. And, you know, regressive voting policies, all that, right. Of course, there's always more a corporation could do. A corporation's going to be about its bottom line, mostly above all else. But I, I do at the same time think it's good to see them championing this, this person and what this person has been representing because it's a reality in our country that's been shoved under the rug, especially under our current administration. Right. So I, Um, I mean, let's not make sports more than it is. Right. And yet let's not demean the value of them. And, and, and what I'm, so, I mean, all of this featured sports stars, if you will, you know, or lesser known sports stars, but, um, sports are inspiring and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. And the people that are brought into the spotlight. Um, and I think that Colin Kaepernick, whether you agree with him or not, he said, I have a voice and I'm going to use it. And, you know, we are sitting here in the church going, man, we don't, I mean, we're, we're just kind of mourning the fact that that voice, that inspiring the voice, in the world isn't the church anymore. At least that's what my people are mourning. Wow. And so, I mean, what I'm trying to say in all of this is that inspiration has to come from somewhere because we all need some inspiration right now. And we all need to be um, working for this greater good. And if that means that Nike has to take on that armor right now, then so be it. I'm sorry. That's where I am because I don't, because the church at large doesn't have it right now. And that could be the state of politics. That could be, you know, the, the word of the, the the church that is out there in America right now, which is, is not the church that I believe in, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to inspire us. So if that's going to be sports people, if that's going to be Nike, then this is exactly the way I want them to do it. That's what I can put my, quote unquote, my endorsement on, not to necessarily go out and buy Nike, but to say like, this is inspiring and to name that when I see it. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it, it, yeah, it does. And, and, you know, you raise a really good point about the church not being that inspiration and voice and, you know, the, we, the, the church writ large, it's got, it's, it's, it's a complicated beast and it, it does harm as much as it does good i mean you know we've seen the whole the whole pennsylvania catholic priest scandal 
yep. thing that happened. Um, you know, now other states are making investigations as well. So, you know, that's right. gonna, and, and it's not limited to Catholics as well. Right. You, you know, I'm not throwing Catholics under the bus, you know, across every, every denomination, you're going to find improprieties and ministers behaving badly and pastors behaving badly. And the church has lost its, it's lost its street cred in so many ways. Um, well, and the cover-up, right? The, the, yeah. the over and over and over again, the covering up of that. So, and this is when we talk about woke Olympics, right? We're over here pointing the finger at these huge corporations saying, look at all the terrible things they're doing to humanity and, you know, log in our own eye. I mean, it's yeah. really like, we've got to figure this out. We, so, we um, so Nike, oh, go ahead, Ogan. No, I was agreeing with her. Yeah. So, um, I mean, as you should. As I always <laughs> do. Yeah. So they come out with this inspiring ad, and, you know, people who are already opposed to Collins kneeling uh, weren't going to like it, but many did like it and were moved by it. And so there was this pastor in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, who encouraged his whole congregation to wear Nikes to church in support of or in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick and his message. Um, he said it's time to make a public statement about social injustices and felt like this would be a visible thing they could do as a church. What do you guys think about that? It's better than, you know, bringing your assault rifles to church, but, <laughs> but it, <laughs> also it in Florida. feels like the same thing. <laughs> right. I, I, it's not the same thing. Like friends do not yeah, take no, it nobody, literally. <laughs> no, nobody accidentally got killed by a stray Nike. Exactly. <laughs> No, we're good. Yeah. Not the same thing at all. I I don't know. This is to me where, you know, I I'm it uh, like I can write about it personally. Like I I wrote about it. Um I wrote a blog post for I write for the the RevGal blog pals and it was my week to do pastoral as political. And I and I wrote about the Serena ad and how inspiring it was for multiple reasons. And, and even if I end up showing that ad at some point in church or something, because I've shown ads before in worship, to, for an example, um, the one that comes to mind is there was a Pampers commercial that sings Silent Night as the baby sleeping. Um, anyway, so like I've used ads in, in worship before. I'm not sure I would do this, but I also, if, how would I respond? I don't, I mean... I, I don't know, I, but I don't disagree. I guess to me, these two things are separate. I don't disagree that we don't need to make a public statement about social injustices. Right. I just don't know that wearing my Nike is the way to do it. I think like showing up at protests is the way to do it. Carrying your church name with Black Lives Matter signs is the way to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure, oh, it's for a, sure. It's, and Go ahead, it's, still a, it's still a symbolic, it, it, you're making a symbolic statement further, you know, when we, when we speak of the spectrum of effectiveness of protests, you know, from, from you know, when, when um, women were protesting and wearing, wearing the, pink, the pink pea hats. Right. And, you know, so, so we, have, we have a range of effectiveness of protests. So um, for some people, you know, who don't want to go in the street and march and, and picket and so on, you know, showing solidarity, I think, is is also a way of of being vocal, and 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 protesting, in some small way. So I won't. I mean, 
I, any, any form of protest, I think, um, or, or showing allegiance to, to the call to pay attention to what's going on, you know, even if it's two or three degrees separated, I think it, I think it's worthwhile. Um, and if nothing else, it, I would say, assume that it kind of was a unifying event for these folk. Yeah. Now, did you guys see the, uh, the white guy who lit his Nikes on fire while he was wearing them? So wasn't that a, wasn't that a comedian? Didn't that end up being, yeah. So that ended up, um, being a comedian who was trying to go viral. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I missed that. Yeah, you fell, and then, it, you fell for it. I just well, thought this guy was, is a complete idiot. And it's, well, right. And then there was an article that went around that somebody in Oklahoma burned their house down because they were, yeah, and that fake. also wasn't true. That yeah. wasn't um, true. Now there are plenty of videos of dude bros, white dude bros, burning their Nikes. Like yeah. plenty of videos. But yeah. the you know, as no, much as favorite. we want them to be so stupid that they light them on fire while they're wearing them. <laughs> My, I got my you. My favorite meme was my favorite meme was remember remember the woman who who called the police on the folks barbecuing. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, Becky barbecue Becky. Becky barbecue Becky. So my favorite meme was a kind of the same you know picture setup. Uh, it was a black woman on the phone calling the police and saying these white dudes behind me on the porch are burning all their shoes. Come quick! <laughs> and I That's thought that funny. Was, that was hilarious. I did see that one. That was funny. But yeah, I don't know. I I'm I don't know. I I guess I'm indifferent to it. Like if somebody feels strongly about this, great. Like I you know what it's funny because I actually ended up um wearing my like Nike running shirt the next day and I didn't realize it until it was like I was out of the house walking the kids to school and I have this big swish on my thing. And then it was I was like, oh, I'm fine with it because I'm supporting them, but I just happened to put it on that day and I wasn't sure. I, I live in a little bit of a conservative area, so I wasn't sure if people were noticing that or not. Not that I care if they did. It just Coincidence just, or deeper forces at work, you know? Or, you, you know. know they yeah. got in your head. They Freudian got in your head. <laughs> well. So um, there was... A recent statement by uh, evangelical pastor uh, John MacArthur, who noted that social justice as an idea is dangerous and that it's possibly heretical to the gospel. And shortly after that, there was a statement called The Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel, signed by hundreds of evangelical leaders. So misleading. (laughs) I know. (laughs) <laughs> it's totally misleading title signed by hundreds of pastors and evangelical leaders. And in that, in the intro to that, they say social justice uh, contains dangerous ideas that it has corrupted moral values and it's a distraction from the gospel. So, uh, so I read, I read this and they're really, they're really just talking about the GL. BTQ community, right? Like everything is very pointed in that direction. I'm sure they're including that, but isn't it broader than that? Well, it is, but I just felt like everything was like very like sexual impurity. I I was going to say, these are the same people who wrote like that Nashville statement a few years ago and the same people who wrote about, you know, complementarian marriage and 
the woman needs to be submissive and you know obey her husband and all that kind of stuff because that's that's apparently what a a biblical a biblical marriage is about um so i i i i don't i don't take a lot of notice to what they i mean except for the fact that again here's hundreds thousands of people 3000 right now 3000 people have signed it is right. it really yeah 3000 yeah, who, who signed it and mm-hmm. and and these are now, not just clergy people also you know yeah yeah you can like at the bottom you can be like put your name add your name to it you know whatever um, oh and and weren't people signing up like made up names that were like mocking it yes maybe yes, but yes they yes they yes they were like, like somebody mockhead and stuff north carolina and then <laughs> you're not trying hard enough or something like that it was yeah so there are people poking fun at it but again in all seriousness there are people for whom this is how they are organizing their lives this is these are the tenants which they're going to follow in their daily life right and i think again these evangelical leaders continue to lose more and more credibility um, as they align themselves politically. And, you know, it's, it's, we're, 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 did they miss the memo about, you know, separating church and state? Did they, did they, did they miss the memo? Did they miss their own memo when they talk about what counts for um, good Christian living and, you know, who they're lining themselves with uh, in, in terms of our president. And I'm like, I, again, I, 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 I don't get, I don't get how they're able to rationalize this. And what it's clearly about is, you know, political gain and making sure that they, they keep the power. And I think this is parallel to what's happening with, with Nike this idea that, you know, those who have been in charge previously, aka old white men, are are losing power. They're losing power. They see the writing on the wall, and th- they're panicking. And this is like the last throws of them trying to hold on to the patriarchy. And but I, but I think there's it's inevitable that it's not going to last. I think we have to take. I mean, one of the shifts that I think we have to make is to stop saying that, you know, it's old, old white grass for power because, you know, Charlottesville was like men in their twenties and, and it, it, and so for them, it's the promise that they would have power, right? It's the promise that like, I'm going to be in charge. And, and I do think you're absolutely right. I think it is a ploy for power. I think it is all about power. And yet, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually do think that these people believe what they wrote. I don't, I mean, I, I don't think they're being, they're trying to be mean. They're trying in their minds to save humanity and save us from ourselves. Like, God love them. <laughs> Bless their hearts. <laughs> like, that's what they believe. And that we're, we're terribly misguided. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting. I kept um, reading it and I kept dropping down to their citations, their biblical citations at the bottom. And I just, every time something like this happens, I want someone 
to write out the, the counter argument. Right. And maybe I need to stop wanting that and start doing it, but I, you know, I need massive amounts of time to do that, but that's what I want. Like, okay. Because a lot of it is set up in a, in a positive. Here's what we believe. We believe that people are created in the image of God and what that means and how that means. And then, so it, it's almost a, a hook. Like they grab you with something positive and then it just right. backslides from there. Um, and that's hard for people to, to read. It's hard for, it's, it's hard to distinguish what's real and what's not because it sounds an awful lot like gospel. It sounds an awful lot. It's so close, right? Like, and yet so far away. Right. They have, they're very good at making people feel like, oh, this is the safe. These are the people I can trust. This is the safe place to be theologically. They're quoting scripture. I'm hearing words and phrases that I value. So they must be right about these other ideas that are quote unquote dangerous. And And they're, they're using loving language. They're using loving and merciful language. They're not, it's not hate speech. And that's what probably bothers me the most. But it's what's under the surface, though. It's you know, what, how far do you have to dig down? What's under the surface? Sometimes right. hate speech. And sometimes hate speech sounds nice. <laughs> it does. It is still hate speech. Exactly. I mean, Jesus was betrayed with a kiss. Boom. Mm. Um, but I think I think. And again, thus ended the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think here's a group of people that I I, I almost think it's it's unproductive to try to refute them because again who are we trying to convince i think all the people already who are not buying that we're preaching to the choir and those who have bought into that you're not gonna you're not gonna turn them or convince them otherwise you know so it's 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 almost counterproductive to i to, to you know i think invest a lot of time creating counter arguments yeah i mean i hear you but part of it for me is that they're they're they are giving the language that i still value uh gospel and good news a different framing and so what do they mean when they say we need to focus on the gospel and social justice is a distraction from that or is not a part of that i i'm wondering what is that what does that gospel mean to you? Is it purely eternal salvation to heaven from hell via Jesus' vicarious sacrifice? Does it have any connection to my life, my embodied life in the world now? Is there any good news for today? So I think we can continue to to share what we believe about this you know, what the gospel means to us in, in all contexts and especially the social justice context and just continue to do that versus, you know, directly create a counter argument to them. Kind of like, you know, what we're doing now in, 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 right. in, a, in a sense. Um, and, and, and part of that is, is to say, you know, if you do read the gospels, if you do read the scripture, you know, social justice is about being a voice and being an advocate for those who don't have a voice, who don't have agency. And Jesus seemed to do a lot of that, (laughs) you know, 
Um, well, he was distracted. G- what? I said he was distracted. <laughs> he was distracted. But the interesting thing about Jesus, you know, which I love and sometimes frustrates me, is he was an equal opportunity lover. You know, so while he was he was defending the woman who was about to be stoned, he was also healing the servant of the centurion who kept them, who was uh, politically oppressing them. So again, you know, what do you what do you what do you do with that? Where was where was the social justice in Jesus healing the centurion's servant? Assuming this, you know, we can assume maybe the servant was was Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, but servant might have been Roman. I don't know. So, well, and I guess so. I'm I'm just looking through this again. By the way, there's over seven thousand signers at this point. Wow. Um, on the main page that I'm looking at of initial signers and then who they lift up as signers, there are, um, from what I can tell, only two women on those whole lists. Wow. Um, <laughs> on all those lists. Um, but when you think about that, 7,000 is not a lot of people. <laughs> no, I mean, no, exactly. But like, this isn't the whole list of 7,000. This is just whatever they have on the front okay. of it. But I mean, so there's maybe 35, 40 people on that front page. But again, two, two women who are both initial signers. Um, I'm sorry, who are both under the signers. Um, and one's a podcast host and one's a co-founder of the American Association of Evangelicals. Um, one, one of the things like Brian said, you know, they, my re, like writing this out in a response to what they said, it, it almost feels like a, it's not really for them. It would be for me. Like, you know how people take news articles and then they like read it out and like there, I fixed it for you. You know, like, um, there was one going around today about the, um, the police officer that came into the wrong apartment and then shot the man in his home. Yeah, And, you know, like it, there was a corrected quote unquote, like headline. Like, I almost feel like that's what needs to be done of there's, it's not just any, it's not just proof texting. It's, it's the lack of um, gospel as a whole or scripture as a whole. Um, I mean, so the, the very first one is on scripture and that, excuse me, that Bible is God's word breathed out by him. Well, okay, let's stop right there. Like how many issues do I have with that first sentence? <laughs> right. Like, you know, it's, it's again, and, and of course it just kind of gets worse from there in terms of, um, you know, Jesus is the only way to God. And yes, there is certainly scripture that backs that up because we are Christian people who are trying to, um, get people to understand then the Pauline language of conversion and, you know, every niche of bow and every tongue confess and all of these good things. But, you know, go back to Exodus and, and the people, the oppressed people in this world and what God responds to them and look through the prophets and none of you cannot remove any of that from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and then acts in the letters, right? Like you can't remove that semblance of God being on the side of the oppressed. Yeah, and exactly. And And this statement does, by the way, in my opinion. Right, and you know, it it just is astonishing to me that people can even like think this, like say these words and not see 
the inconsistency and that it doesn't work that way. I mean, just in the lectionary last week, Mark 7, Jesus is having this conversation with the Pharisees who are creating traditions that leave out justice. And he's like, you're making void the word of God by what you're doing. By leaving justice out, you're nullifying pretty much what God stands for. And I feel like that's exactly what these church leaders are doing. They're, they're, they're negating the very thing they're trying to stand for. It's like, you, what are you doing? Which is because why, what, what would that mean for them again? What would they have to give up in order to make that interpretation real? What would they have to give up? The status, the, the power, the, the, you know, the, 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 still this crazy, this yeah, crazy the, drive to, you know, make abortions illegal again. I mean, all, all this stuff. Um, they would have to, they, it, it would call, it would mean that they would have to revamp and revise their theology. And right. what, do, you know, and again, yeah. but how so, many are willing to give that up? So here's, here's a set, here's part of my issue, but like this to me cuts through of it. So this is part of their, we affirm we who are united in Christ are also united to one another, regardless of age, ethnicity, or sex. That is a that is a sentiment I am 100% behind, right? Now, I don't think that that is limited to those who are united to Christ. I think that is all people. But I also think that all people are connected to God because that's my belief, whether or not they believe or understand. And then drop down to the deny. And what they're using that, in my opinion, very positive statement of... of um, you know, universal humanity and the beauty of that and the love of that, they use it to say, so everyone has a duty to repent, repent and believe in, in Christ. That, that's why they're saying the positive statement. Yeah. That's my problem, right? Right. Like are the, the equality in God's eyes has like, where is where is Romans eight in that, right? It, it, there's nothing we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. Right. So do I think that it, it's a good thing in this world that we repent, that we acknowledge our sins, that we seek forgiveness, that we do all the things, those things? Of course I do, but nothing I do makes me lesser in the love of God. And, and that's, again, this is that little bit of, pulling this out and backwards in my opinion well, again because and thinking and yep. because then the whole the whole theological you know jenga tower <laughs> topples yeah. it and does we, and we can't have it toppling then other, otherwise the whole thing comes down and then then where they left where they okay. left and so i think their own power and privilege and hegemony as largely white male pastors is threatened or people who have bought into the system they've constructed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I think what, yeah, Brian, I think you said it best. Like, I think what bothers me the most is that they've co-opted language that is healthy and positive and good. Um, and that's how they've kind of hooked. What I am worried is not the people that, wrote this or signed on first. What I'm worried for the people that read this very um, uh, misleading title yeah. 
and say, oh, this is an argument for, and it's actually an argument against, right? And yes, anyway, right. It's, exactly. it's a sheep in wolf's clothing, if you will. Well done. Um, I don't think we need to um, really bother about it because, and I was, I was going to save this for past and poor, but let's talk about it now. Um, <laughs> the, the Temple Institute announced that the, uh, the first red heifer in 2,000 years has been born, thus fulfilling a biblical prophecy <laughs> and a signal of the end of days. So we got nothing to worry about, folks. Why are we fretting? Oh. The red, the, the red calf is here. The red female calf mm-hmm. is here. They're checking it for blemishes as we speak, and if it's blemish-free, <laughs> end times, baby. We're done. We're out. What? What is a blemish? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what is there? Is there like a long list of what is considered a blemish? <laughs> I, I don't know. Birthmarks. You know, one hoof bigger How than the other. How would you know? <laughs> You're sending the They're red heifer. And that's all you had to say. They're inspecting <sighs> it. But you know, so now we, you know, we got to build the third temple, and this is it. End times. Why are we fretting? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I mean, really, that I think the third temple is going to be our biggest hurdle. To be all honest, like <laughs> natural phenomenons can come and go, but that third temple is not happening. <laughs> not on the dome of the rock, at least. Right. Right. So there is hope for us all. <laughs> there, 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 there you go. <laughs> There you go. There's your hope for the day is that we we can't agree on anything. So that third temple will never come to to pass. Oh gracious. So the uh, oh here's 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 the killer sentence right now. The calf has undergone, quote, extensive examination by rabbinical <laughs> experts who confirm she's quote again a viable candidate for the biblical red heifer. So however, however, <laughs> Could be disqualified due to quote natural causes, whatever that means. Oh my so, word! You know. I mean, listen, she's going to be disqualified because people are people are crazy and they take this stuff seriously. But now, did you all? We've never asked this. Did you all ever, ever in your spectrum of belief, did you all ever believe that the end times were real and coming? Oh, absolutely. You sure. did. Really? Oh, yeah. When I was, yeah, a kid, I could never man. get behind it. I couldn't do it. When I was a kid, man, they had us watching. Uh, you know, rapture movies and, and things of that sort. And yikes. That was not in my tradition. I should say that was a, that was a fundamentalist summer camp that I was sent to. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I, like I was taught it. I just couldn't actually ever buy into it. I couldn't get behind it. The first part of, so the, so the time that I spent in, in that, you know, evangelical Christian type context, you know, it was, it was basically three parts. The first part was me being, um, uh, I'm deathly afraid that that end times. Mm. Well, first being relieved because you know I'm I'm saved. I'm a Christian, so if the end times happen. I'm getting raptured. You're I'm good, good. Go. Yeah. right? Good. And then it was like, well, am I though? I am not sure. But then there was, <laughs> but then there was the the afraid. So you that, stuck your toe in Calvinism for a second, <laughs> right? Maybe maybe I wouldn't be raptured and have to endure it, you know, kind of. And then then there was then the then the kind of sadistic side of me kicked in and I was like I'm going to be disappointed if this doesn't happen while I'm around because mm. it sounds like it could get really interesting. It could get really hairy. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So so I went I went through those uh went through those periods. Yeah, so I was I was at this uh you know summer bible camp and they would show us these things about the movies about the rapture and 
and talk about that sort of end times theology. And then when I, you know, would get back in my own tribe of the reformed faith, it's like, oh, well, we don't really, the rapture is not biblical. We don't believe in a millennium. Mm -hmm. We're amillennialists, meaning we don't think that exists. But we still do believe Jesus is coming back in bodily form, probably in the near future, which to me is like, okay, that's kind of like, the same, thing. It's just, the same thing it's just a little right. different but like the how is a little different or the means are a little different but it's still the same in a way so this is the, when i was in the fifth grade yeah fifth grade um the actual i went to a public elementary school in kentucky and the bible code guy was making his rounds you know with the end of the world yeah. Like you remember that guy? Yeah. So we actually stockpiled for in our classroom for the end of the world. Wow. Like for the rapture. In our public in the school public classroom. It's amazing. <laughs> nice. The entire school stockpiled because and I just even then, like I, and and just that whole time I was like, this is just this is some bullshit. Like I just couldn't ever <laughs> I couldn't ever get my head around it. I couldn't. Well, I just, I just felt like, I mean, I'd read scripture. I understood their argument and I understood why Paul believed Jesus was coming back any day. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did. I, I got that. And I was like, it's been 2000 years. Like it's not going to happen on my watch. We're good. Like I just never even, I, I know it's interesting. That's funny. Oh, anyway, no prayer, no curious. prayer in public schools. But if the rapture happens, but if the rapture happens, we were prepared. We had water and peanut butter and all kinds of stuff, flashlights, mm-hmm. batteries mm-hmm. for the for the left behind. Yeah, yeah I was no, going to exactly. say it's a long journey up <laughs> through the sky. You need that PB and J to you burn a lot of calories in the, no, in the clouds. No, it was for the heathens that were going to be left behind. Yeah, it was an act, it was an act of compassion. It was. Oh we were God. yeah, we were sa- and that was how it was like dubbed as like we need to save for others. Like it was again, here's such a great example of like serving others means stockpiling for the rapture hey, when hey. you're gone and they need help. It was a sort of social justice <laughs> when you think about it. Listen, there was a church, there was a church to bring, to bring oh this full circle. <laughs> By the way, in case you were curious, the Bible code guy, uh, the date came and went, and he he calculated it wrong. So, whatever. <laughs> of course, of course, he did. Right. Well, I knew of a of a large, not quite a mega church, but p- pretty close large church near uh, where I first pastored, and they had a, somebody come through with a date. And they were encouraging people to sell their property and their assets and turn it over to the church. And so a number of people did that. And of course, the time came and went. And now these people have given up all this stuff to the church. Like, are you kidding me? No. And we wonder, and we wonder why we've lost our inspirational touch. I mean, do <laughs> we wonder? Come on. Right. Well, and we wonder why people don't trust the church anymore and why we're not the inspirational leaders out there. Uh. I mean... All Ogan has to do is call you on the phone, give him his first name, tell him what church you're part of, and you hand over your social security number. You're good exactly. to go. Exactly. <laughs> Man. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, and so-and-so is on his fifth plane, so it's fine. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Do we want to hit one more topic? Are we ready for pass or pour? Hopefully his, hopefully his pilot is saved so that, you know. I mean, can you imagine? Or 
or rather not saved so he doesn't get raptured. Right, like maybe pilot. that's the thing. Ooh, that's the strategy, right? You you hire heathens to do all of your work so that hire he hire heathens for the so important that when you're job. raptured, like you don't hurt anybody when your plane goes down. There, there because you your go. safety is more important than their immortal soul. As, yeah. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> and you said we wouldn't have levity here. You know? We've gone far afield. <laughs> I don't even know what, where we are anymore. What was I what was I thinking? Oh well, um, okay. I, so, so is this actually this fits in with this one? This is strong to survive, or is it until we all win? None of us do. <laughs> yeah. So, which one is it? <laughs> question. You know, there are different approaches to sort of how society, the underlying operating principle on society. We live in, you know, in the West, in this capitalist, you know, competition breeds better things which is kind of a the strong survive mentality and there's a real resistance to this hey we need to look out for each other and until we all win none of us do a lot of people think that's soft and that's not what america's about america's about pull yourself up by your bootstraps and if you kick enough ass then you get to enjoy the spoils right isn't that what this country's about right what why I- do you gotta choose can't we do both can't we have the strong help us all win <laughs> But they don't, so. Well, I think that's the difference. Like, are you asking what America is about? Yeah, the, America is about the strong survive. Like, but even people that practice that say rhetoric, like this goes back to the statement on social justice, right? They use rhetoric like, until we all win, none of us do. So kindness, you know, we, we spread kindness and and random acts of kindness and we share videos of like empowerment and all of these things. And then, you know, really what we're doing is we're shooting ourselves in the foot in the process. Yes, because it will be focused on those individual instances of kindness. It won't address the structural and systemic realities upon which the quote unquote strong are not only surviving, but standing on others where they can't get up for air. But, oh, let me be kind to you and look at how social, look at how justice focused I am, which is right. kind of great. I, I, I think we're making a mistake in that, that is commonly made in that we're trying to say America is fill in the blank. America is not one thing. America is a bunch of stuff and a bunch of groups and a bunch of beliefs. So we have, For we sure. have a certain aspect of America that says the strong survives. There's another aspect that says until we all win, None of us do. There is an aspect that says eat or be eaten. There's an aspect that says feed the poor. So we have all these, uh, you know, different different clusters floating around. And I think so much of our conflict today is not accepting that or too many people not accepting that. We're trying to say this is who we are and what we're about. The problem is we are we're so many people from so many different places and right. so many different uh, beliefs and, 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 and values. They, they call this country a melting pot for a reason. And, 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 you know, we mentioned, we mentioned Charlottesville, we mentioned the evangelicals, we mentioned, you know, the, 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 the administration in power. Now, again, here, here's this one bunch of folk who they want their definition to be the only definition. Yeah. And, there's no way that will ever happen purely because of the makeup of the people that live in this country. 
There is, there is no one America. No, but I, I do think there's a history when I say that I, I think I'm talking about, you know, we, we, right. Um, England took the land by force. The French took the land by force, you know, drove out the native population to slaughtered and as much as we could you know there was there there was a conquering mentality there was the strong survive mentality to that and even within those groups the strong survived with smallpox and plagues and you know i mean i i just think that that and i think in business you know it's interesting right like serena williams's nike ad the end of it is until we all win that's the name of the ad and yet it's nike they're trying to be number one, right? In right, their right. in their corporation. Like they're trying to get more business. And and that's that that's that, you know, double side of of what all of this is. But um it, you know, in terms I think there's a universality to the gospel, to God's love of the, you know, the equalness of humanity. We are let's go back to that, you know. So I don't think the way the world works is until we all win. Um, but I do think that that is, that is what we strive for. And that is what we are to live into. Yeah. And I create in a world that opinion. works, create in a world that works for everyone. That's right. And I, I think you're right, Ogan, that we do obviously have multiple views and there is no one thing that represents America. I guess I was thinking of the sort of dominant, um, cultural ethos, uh, the the American dream, the sort of Puritan work hard, and the those who work hard will be rewarded, and just the capitalist structure that we have as our economic backbone is absolutely about it's cutthroat. It's the strong survive, the clever, you know, whoever's willing to work hardest, sacrifice the most, you know, they're going to succeed. And you know what? Screw you. If you don't do the, all those things, and so we blame the poor. We don't have the social safety net that other right. civilized nations do. We don't have health care for everybody. We don't have housing for everybody. We don't have things like basic income, things that we could do if we truly believed that until we all win, none of us do. We can say that a lot, but we don't believe it nationally in terms of political leadership or the structures that I think are could be there to support that. They definitely don't. Right. I, I agree that that is that is that is not the attitude of the people in power who and the lawmakers who make the decisions. Yes, I'm painting with a broad brush, but by sure. by far those in charge the do not have that attitude. Otherwise, this would be an entirely different place. But again, I believe those are in the minority. Um, when you look when you look at who are the richest people in this country it's not the most of us, it's the fewer of us. So how are the rest of us, how are we getting by? What are we doing? And when I look around, I see more and more of us helping each other out. I see sure. more and more of us, you know, um, giving each other food. Giving but that's, other. and that's the beauty of community, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, I think, yeah. I think the, the, the most visible and loudest, you know, the squeaky wheel gets to grease, the most visible and loudest message has been look at me, the rich person who worked harder, did whatever, or or you know came up with a clever invention and blah blah blah, and I left a trail of bodies behind me as I got to this place. And look at all the riches and excesses I have. We we make a valuable difference in the lives of people every day of the week. 
Right. Okay. Well, you know, we hope. our our riches <laughs> and values are def- are defined differently. Right. Um, and trust me, that takes strength as well. And I think more and more people are 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 beginning to align with that, and then also becoming a voice for saying why why do the handful of people who have the money and the power why do they get to decide what happens to the rest of us? And I think that's what that's what the a lot of these social justice pushes in the last, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 years have been about. The rest of us get to have a voice as well. The rest of us get to have the world as we see it, and we can be happy without the excesses of the riches. <laughs> uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> Not often I leave a room speechless, but I'll there take you it. Go. Look, uh, yes. he's got nothing to say. He's just, he's nailed it. And he, there we go. And wrap it up. Let's go home. <laughs> I think that's a perfect transition to pass or pour if we have anything. Uh, so I mentioned the red, the red cap before. Here's, I just got like two more that should be interesting. Uh, let me know if you want to hear about them. Do you all know where the red calf, like, is that Joel? Where, where is Leviticus? that? Do you know? I don't know the. I don't either. I was just curious. If any of you Hebrew know, insult. if you're listening, yeah, if any of you up. know where that came from, let us know. We'll Google that. All right. Um, you you look up in that. The meantime, next up in, in, in the meantime, <laughs> here's here's another here's another fun religious type thing. A quote devil letter written by a nun possessed by Satan more than 300 years ago has finally been translated. You interested? Yes. For sure. All right, so, I want to know what the devil says in his letter. So just a little backstory. The letter was written by a nun who claimed to be possessed by the devil in 1676 at the convent Palma de Montechiaro in Sicily. Sister Maria Cross of... I can't even say all this name. I'm not going to even... <laughs> Sister Maria. Sister <laughs> Maria. Uh, according to the story, woke up one morning in 1676 covered in ink, having spent the night writing letters. And there's a there's a picture of the letter here. We probably put this link up, but it it's just like weird symbols and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's bizarre mixture of letters from archaic alphabets. No one was able to decipher the messages, but but we got science now, computers. Oh my god! And the breakthrough, interestingly, comes from a piece of software from the dark web. So, <laughs> so is this is are these the symbols that were on Belinda blinked? You know. <laughs> Brian, have you been listening? Brian has not listened because he didn't uh, laugh. He would have laughed. Get get on get if on. Those of you that know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm go. talking about. <laughs> so so they you know they 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 plug you know Greek, Arabic, Runic alphabet, Latin. Oh, interesting thing. All of this, and basically the gist is a letter. The gist of the letter is said to describe God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit as dead weights. And states that God thinks he can free mortals, but the system works for no one. It even goes, this is, the, this is my favorite part. It even goes as far as to claim that, quote, God was invented by man. And I read that and I was like, huh, I think I kind of agree with that statement too. <laughs> so maybe the devil ain't all the way wrong. Uh, wow. There's also reference made to the river Styx, which is in you know Greek Greek mythology. River in hell. Um, well, the Styx was the river that crossed over from the yeah yeah the, the living life to the afterlife, the underworld. That's right, to the underworld. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, we believe based on other reports from Sister Maria or about Sister Maria that um, she was never really possessed because she had a condition that is eerily similar to what we will call today schizophrenia. So there's that. There you go. So, you know. But God so is the letter of the devil. Hey, listen. I mean, yeah. come on. We create God in our own image more often than not the other way around, right? So, Wait, who created the devil then? I'm, I'm not opposed to ice, you know? Okay, so I need to... So the, the red heifer is part of the book of Numbers. Numbers okay. 19.2. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring three... That they bring thee, excuse me, uh, King James Version, bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein there is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. So it couldn't have worked in the fields or whatever. Mm. Right. So, and then they are supposed to ritually slaughter, slaughter. and burn outside of camp with cedarwood, hyssop, and wool or yarn. Dyed scarlet are added to the fire, and the remaining ashes are placed in a vessel, vessel containing pure water. This is purity parts of the Bible, so it's very, very specific. And then the priest who does this is unclean and needs to wash himself in this very, very certain way. Now, what's interesting is I was like, well, what does that have to do with the, you know, end of the world? And so, like, reading through very quickly the Jewish tradition, and maybe um, our Jewish friends can help us with this if, you know, you know more about this, because, you know, whatever. But under the Christian tradition, some fundamentalist Christians believe that the second coming of Jesus Christ this cannot occur until the third temple is constructed in Jerusalem, which requires the appearance of a red heifer being born in Israel. So was the red heifer born in Israel? Is the other question? First domino to fall. Um, um, so the Temple Institute, I don't know where that is, but I think, yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Okay. So there's a man named Kyle Lott, who's a cattle breeder that has been attempting to breed red heifers. Oh my gosh. Make it stop. <laughs> um, or or and, don't make it stop. <laughs> He's and, feeding his calves rock and rye. And, <laughs> and, um, and, and in hope, he's, he's attempting to do this in hope that will bring about the construction of the third temple and the second coming of Christ. So there you wow. go. <laughs> of course, a farmer thinks his cattle is going to bring about the end of the world. Like, give me a break. <laughs> signs, man. Signs. It's, it's, you know what? Listen, that first domino is often the smallest one. And then, you know, they just push over so, the next one. Over this one. Boom, boom, I boom, mean, boom, I just boom. want to point out, it's actually not biblical that that will happen. That's just, that's a belief that some right. fundamentalist Christians believe. Right. It's, anyway, the... What's in numbers is very specific um, of as a, a ritual purity sacrifice yeah, yeah. Ceremonial. of a red heifer, right? Yeah. So, and 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 because of the purity of that red heifer, some people have equated that to Jesus, but that is not biblical. That is just man. Oh, I gotta say, man, it's end time. Maybe maybe that's in the Bible code. Maybe <laughs> exactly. And finally, last one, last one for today. What will you do to get 100 years of free pizza? So Domino's... Oh, die of diabetes at here, eight. Here, here's the <laughs> headline. Domino's regrets telling customers they'll get 100 years of pizza if they tattoo themselves. <gasps> so... Uh, yeah. Yeah.
Domino's in Russia okay. promised uh, <laughs> that those who got a tattoo of the Domino's logo on themselves will get a hundred free pizzas over the next hundred years. Okay. So they get one pizza a year? No, no, no. Well, sorry. Um, yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. I think, no, th- th- that was not... Um, I did the math on this. There was a whole thing. Anyways, regardless, okay. regardless of it. They get a whole it, bunch of free pizza. So this offer came out, uh, it was launched October 31st. Uh, by sep- early, by September 10th, they had to say, they changed <laughs> the offer to the first 350 people. And then um, they had to say, okay, we got enough people you need to stop now because pretty much everybody went out and got. Yeah, exactly. The whole town got tattooed of of that of that domino especially if you have tattoos or, or like who like whatever if you oh gone. yeah it was it was <laughs> you gotta see something all right pictures. so this nike like gave a, a winning commercial yeah. domino's not so much not so much this <laughs> so. sounds like a michael scott idea how can we sell more pizza <laughs> but see that's the thing they're not selling more pizza <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that. That's why it sounds like Michael Scott. I mean, the latest commercial, which I'm only watching commercials again because I'm watching football again, is that um, Domino's is fixing all of our potholes so our pizza doesn't fall off of our front seat. And I'm like, I thought that was dumb. Oh. <laughs> we could in Michigan, we could use that. I mean, right? So get Domino, call them up and be like, hey, my pizza's falling off. They un- I mean, <laughs> they they underestimated the. <laughs> things people are willing to do for no good reason never underestimate the stupidity of humanity never never well ever ever so there you go if you got that domino tattoo you better find a good cover-up artist because because you are not getting free pizza you're not getting pizza anymore (laughs) never underestimate the stupidity of humanity sounded like a fine (laughs) assessment to that statement on social justice and the gospel we talked about never never ever ouch did i say that that out loud it's the theme of the day (laughs) sorry i'm sorry for whoever i offended sorry not sorry yes i'm not sorry (laughs) all right any any final final words or wisdom friends Mm. uh on shoes pizza potholes social justice um do do what feels right i mean like does it feel right to go get a corporate logo tattooed onto your body no that doesn't feel right right. you know it also doesn't feel right to cut it off clothing you already own so whatever exactly does it feel right to go and buy more shoes that you don't need because a corporation you know hired a spokesperson that you get behind in their message not necessarily either there 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 are ways there are ways you can support a good message wisely do that yeah i mean i i think all of this is just to be socially conscious about as much as you can with what you buy and you know when this all first came out um people were arguing back and forth about the social consciousness of again woke olympics right about the social consciousness of Nike. And I said, listen, I own a smartphone. I can't get too much in, like, I can't be too self-righteous in this because, you know, the material that makes our cell phones work are mined in terrible conditions in Africa. And that's true across the globe. Anybody who has a smartphone. So like, there's only so far we can go, but there are things we can know and we can do. And let's do those things when we can. 
but agreed. Amen. But we yep. don't have to lose it. <laughs> to be human is to have an impact on the world for good and for ill. And there are systems beyond all of us that are going to compromise our own integrity. But as said, be as conscious and aware of the decisions you're making and live in the path that seems the most right to you. Uh, so. Everything in moderation, even moderation. Oh. And listen, as soon well, as I can buy a Tesla, I will, but you know. Less is more. I gotta throw it under them before the before that right. How many more platitudes can Ogan say before the I end was of gonna that? say we need another <laughs> Zen Koan right at the end here. <sighs> I'm done. I'm done. All right. <laughs> Thank you, friends, for tuning in to episode 101 of Pub Theology Live. Please connect and spread the word on social media. You can listen anytime. Your, your internet just went wonk. Your, your internet just I just wonk. do a... That's only on your end. Episode because, 100 and... All right. I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to episode 101 of Pub Theology Live. You can connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. Please rate us there. Give us a few stars and maybe a comment about why you love this show. And you can also watch us on YouTube or the New Thought channel. And if you want to find or create a pup theology in your town, go to pubtheology.com and check out the resources there or find a group that's meeting near you. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Promise me you won't edit that last part out. So I won't edit it out, but just so you know, it records on my local end and it didn't come through wonky locally, only over the internet. I hate to disappoint you. I thought Shannon was going to laugh up a liver just now. <laughs> I'm like trying to talk and you got, I'm like, is my fly down? So I don't know what's happening. I'm muted. I muted it. I Thank know, you. but she's like dying over there and I can't, I can't laugh. I just see, oh. just see no, I was, laughing away. I, I was observing like how slowly Brian was drinking his beer all through the episode. And I was like, he is more hungover than he thinks he is. <laughs>